outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 373. And today we're back for another episode of our mini-series, Fresh Radio, which we're getting up-to-date reports from all across the country on the latest deer activity, current conditions, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired Tunt Podcast, brought to you by Onyx. And today we are back for our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series. You know what this is all about. We're going to be chatting with a handful of deer hunters from all across the country, and they're going to tell us about what kind of activity they've been seeing, what activity they're predicting coming in the future, and how different conditions and factors and sightings are, are influencing what they're doing as hunters. So that's the game plan. Spencer Newhart leads the charge on all of those interviews, and it is a very exciting time for me personally, selfishly, because we are right on the precipice of the Michigan bow hunting season, Spencer, and I'm very excited. I've got like the full-blown, I can't sleep at night, I'm looking at pictures, I'm looking at maps, I'm looking at my weather forecast over and over. That whole thing has 100% enveloped me right now, man. So <laughs> I'm glad we can do this chat because I'm chomping at the bit. I like it. I saw on social media that you just had like a trail camera update. Can you tell us more about that? And like, where are your trail cameras going to be now as we get into opener? Yeah. So I posted a bunch of pictures from the back 40 and uh, exciting news over there. We have a a big turnaround from where we were last year. This time last year, if if you remember Spencer or anybody listening, we had gone and checked trail cameras in mid-September last year when Steve and Yanni came out for their squirrel hunt, and we hadn't had like a single decent buck on trail camera all summer and early fall. It was really disappointing. 
uh, frustrating. And as you know, a lot of the season was that way too. I had that one great encounter and killed the white eight, but a lot of the rest of the year was kind of frustrating. Well, we made a lot of changes last year in the spring, and I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but something's going right because uh, we're getting a lot more activity on cameras. We're seeing a lot of bucks. Um, there's probably, I don't know, three, four, five bucks that you know I think would be considered shooters by myself and or our guests. Um, a couple definite four-year-old or older bucks, a couple three-year-olds, a bunch of two-year-old kind of you know nice little 10 pointers little eight pointers so yeah the cameras are they're lighting up right now and most of those that i have placed all all i was checking and posting the other day were cell camera updates and those have been placed just in transition zones between food sources and bedding and so there's one cell camera that is in the edge of a, a bean field, not the edge of a bean field, but it's in between a neighboring bean field and the cover on our side. So we're catching these deer that were feeding in those beans in the summer, heading back to feed, uh, or sorry, heading back to bed on ours. And then there's another camera that's set back in the honey hole, actually, which is this really cool area of cover on the farm. And there's a big white oak tree in there that's just raining acorns. So what we're seeing is that there's still some deer coming off of those beans. And I'm sure there's some oaks scattered on the edges of these fields that they're feeding on too, but they're, they're heading back into bed on ours. And then they're going into that bedding area in the honey hole and they're feeding on those acorns heavily during daylight still. Um, so that whole acorn thing, I think, is going to be something I'm guessing you've heard from our guests or, or will be soon because I think they're dropping in a lot of parts of the country and, and they're definitely keying in on those here. So, yeah, that's what's happening in the back 40 at least. It's, um, it's that time of year. Now, I think a lot of hunters kind of operate on this system where when you have the beginning of October coming or when you have a season opener coming – they sort of check them like one last time or set them in a different place one last time and then leave them until we get closer to the rut. So my question for you, Mark, is if you had to leave your cam soak for like the next month, where would you have it at? So I try to shift most of my cameras to my fall locations at the very end of summer. So the very end of August or early September, I, I basically shift everything to the spots I want them for October and November, which in most cases will be, um, they can be in different spots, like these transition areas I mentioned or the edge of food sources. But the most important thing is I want them on scrapes. So that can either be a natural scrape, like a spot that every year that becomes a scrape gets hit by multiple deer year after year after year, that kind of community hub. I like having cameras on those, um, but I'll also create scrapes in places that I want them. And those, as as we've talked about a lot in the past, these these scrapes just act as this kind of local water cooler and all the bucks like to check in see who's been here what's going on and and kind of leave their calling card too so they're a really good place to get an inventory of what's there who's in the area right now how early in the day or late in the day are these deer starting to move it gives you that i don't know it's like a thermometer on activity so i may not be hunting in these places but it's going to give me a good check-in on on what's happening in the area and who's here so most of my stuff is set in those locations already now these two cell cameras i mentioned are in a little bit unique spots they aren't on scrapes well let me take that back i did create a mock scrape 
in front of both of these cameras. They're set in these transition spots that are hard to get to, but I also still create a mock scrape in front of both. Um, so that's all to say, if I was moving something right now, which I'd, I'd rather not, I'd rather not go in at all right now um, and just wait until you're hunting. But if I had to move things around, I'd be doing exactly what I described. I'd be putting these on scrapes or mock scrapes. I would not be going back into the cover, crashing around. Um, I would only be putting these in easy-to-access places where I'm not going to spook stuff because, again, I don't want to apply a lot of pressure until I'm actually hunting. So for me, in Michigan, opening day is October 1st. That's next week. Um, I'm not pushing into anything right now. I'm only checking cameras that are cell cameras. I'm not going to walk all over the place and check these things. And I'm just going to observe from a distance as much as I can. So on my back 40 place, we're observing via trail cam, cell cam on another one of my local Michigan properties. I've got this really cool hill area where I can observe a lot of the farm. So I'm doing some evening scouting out there and just watching from a distance. Um, but I, I don't want to, you don't want to go on there setting stands and messing around with cameras five days, six days before the hunting season. You know, you're the deer can't tell the difference between you hunting and you doing that work. It's all the same to them. And it's all going to result in, these deer not wanting to move in daylight as much because of it. Yeah, I would echo everything that you just said there, Mark. For the next three to four weeks, if I had to have one place to have my trail cameras, I want them all on scrapes. They are great for getting inventory. They're great for patterning deer. They're great for seeing when they start to move a little bit sooner in the evenings or a little bit later into the mornings. I just really want my cameras on scrapes for basically the whole month of October. Now we're going to talk about that same thing with all four of our guests this week, which include Dean Siemens from Delaware, Josh Genthy from North Carolina, Travis Thiel in South Dakota, and then Michael Hansucker in Missouri. And something that you'll hear from all of our guests is that there's this approaching cold front, like early to mid next week across most of the country. Um, now, this is like almost the unofficial sign of fall, right? Yesterday was the, the first official day of fall. But when we start talking about the first cold front, that's like the most exciting time, I think. And every year, Mark, when we do Rut Fresh Radio, um, in like early to mid-October, when we get a good cold front that's very timely, it seems like all sorts of deer get killed. Now, the time of this cold front isn't great because it's like sort of between – you know, uh, this coming weekend and the weekend after that, of that Tuesday, Wednesday, but say that cold front did land on like a Saturday and Sunday and everybody can be in the woods. What would you want to be doing for like a late September setup or an early October setup when we have a great cold front like this one coming where in some parts of the country from like Friday's high to Tuesday's low, we're looking at like a 50 degree difference. What, what would be your strategy then? Yeah. Like you said, there's nothing that's going to get me more excited this time of year. And for me, late September, early October, it's still a food game. I'm, I want to know what is the number one food source right now. And, and, or I want to know where is my buck? Like if I'm, if I'm just after deer, then I want to know what's the most, the single most attractive food source right now. And then if I'm after a specific deer, I want to know as best as I can possibly figure out what is he doing you know, right now, or what's the most recent piece of intel I can tell about him? Um, because when this cold front hits, it's going to get these deer on their feet. And this is going to be one of those couple opportunities you're going to have throughout the year where that big old buck might move 
a little bit earlier in the evening. So I would try to make an aggressive hunt into that best spot. I would go try to get into my number one location for a food source type hunt. So that's something where I'm tight into the edge of that bedding and food transition spot where I think, okay, if I have some kind of history or some kind of scouting that tells me that this is that best food source and this is probably the most likely place these bucks are coming from, I'm going to go in there and, and get right on it. Um, maybe if it was a warm, hot day in October, I wouldn't push right in there. I'd hunt more observations. I'd hunt farther on the edge. But with that cold weather, I want to be in my killing set. So, you know, that might be a green food plot. That might be uh, an acorn flat. That might be a little patch of clover, or maybe it's a, a standing cornfield. It's just it's really starting to dry down now, and all of a sudden the deer are hitting it. It really comes down to knowing your area and your deer. So, looking at those cameras, hopefully you can either check them in a really careful way, or have cell cameras that can give you this intel without you needing to going in there, or do what I've been doing, which is observing from a distance. I want to know as best as possible what that right place is to be is because you only get a few chances when you get these big cold fronts and you need to be in the right place to take advantage of that right time. So for me, October 1st is opening day. That's going to be a couple days after the front hits, but it's still going to be pretty good. We're going to be in the like low to mid fifties, which is going to be great for this time of year. So I've been watching one of my local farms from a distance and I've seen my number one buck Tran and I've seen my number two buck, which I've decided to call Number two, um, <laughs> I've seen both of them move out in this area along the edge of where a standing cornfield and a bean field come together. And then I've got a food plot system that's about 100 yards away from it. And every time I've seen them come out over this month of September, and I think I've had um, since, what, in the last 10 days or so, I've seen one of them. I've had, in the last 10 days, I've seen them four times. And they're always coming from that standing corner, that edge, that corner where the bean field and cornfield come out. They're exiting out of the bedding right where that corner is. And some nights they move north into the standing corn. Some nights they move south towards the food plot. But that's the entrance to this area I can see. So right there, because of that scouting, I know the area I want to focus on. If the wind's right, when I get this front coming through, I want to be right around that. And I would, I would tell anyone listening, try to achieve something similar to that. Figure out where this, this point of knowledge is through observation or a trail camera or something and key in on that close to food. That's, it's generic, but that's kind of the recipe for most early season success. Um, swing for the fences right now when we have this front, but you need to have an educated swing. Don't swing blindly. Sure. Generic Mark, but I think that's all great advice. Um, and that can be like what helps somebody kill a deer for this first cold front to fall. Uh, I think that's enough from us though for this week. Let's get on to our interviews. Sounds good. All right. And joining us on the line next is Dean Siemens from Delaware. Now Dean in Delaware, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Um, well, I might have a little bit of a bias, uh, point here but uh i have to say we're we're kind of right in the middle just for the fact that uh buck activity has been really really was really good for us uh, a couple weeks ago um a few things went down and then uh now it's been a little little scattered so uh yeah i have to have to stay with that at five mark 
I know you had some crazy weather there before the opener. Can you tell us about that and how that affected things for hunters? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was by far the craziest thing I've had uh, preseason. Um, so I don't know if you guys knew about, you know, I'm sure you know about the, the uh, hurricane that came through. Um, but here in Delaware, it brought, uh, I believe it was about seven, somewhere five to, to eight touchdowns of tornadoes. Um, and, and with that, you know, brought brought all kinds of uh, trees down, uh, tore fields up. I mean, it it threw us for a spin. Um, so it uh, it kind of it took all the the bucks that we had on camera on one of our our private spots and uh, pushed them all to somewhere. Um, hopefully they're still out there. But uh, yeah, we're we're hoping to see them back. <laughs> what food sources should hunters be focused on in that part of the country right now? I know we've been having really good luck with the normal corn. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, Delaware having a lot of cornfields and stuff around. Um, it's a, it's a primary source for the deer. They're, they're used to it. Um, but I know early season, uh, acorns start dropping and, uh, in the, in the deep woods, that's kind of one of our go-to spots. Uh, if you can find some, some acorns, especially on public land, uh, where you're not allowed to do any baiting, um, that's, that's definitely a key spot. So, I keep that on the radar. When you're going into a new piece of public land in mid to late September, what are you looking for on those properties? I know, I know early season right now, uh, since we're, we're thrown for a little bit of a loop or we're, we're bouncing around to a couple of public spots that, you know, we've hunted in the past. Um, but, uh, we're, we kind of backed away from cause we thought we were pretty set on our private land. Um, so we're, we're being careful. Uh, we're trying to get in and out during some rain, uh, keep our, scent you know down uh if you can't get in there like that you know obviously suiting up spraying down and uh we're kind of working in on some of the the trails trying to get back into some of the deeper terrain find uh where some some nice bar uh if we look if it looks like we're getting near some bedding areas try and back out um and we start kind of doing circles around that finding whether there's a one in, um, whether there's uh, an area where they're, they're going to water, um, basically all that little pre rut scouting. And, uh, you know, a lot of times on those thick runs, we get the, the rubs and scrapes. So we're, we're you know, honing in on them, marking them on the maps. And, uh, we're hoping it all pans out this year. Is water a focus for you this time of year? Uh, I'd say water's a focus this time of year. Um, I would say that come the rut, um, I'd like to be definitely in an area that, uh, you know, if, if there isn't much water, I want to make sure I find somewhere that is, uh, cause those bucks are going to need it. Uh, they get to chase and they get a little winded. They're going to go for the hydration. So it's definitely, uh, one that I want to keep on my radar. You said that you're looking for sign when you go on these new pieces of public land. Are you seeing any fresh sign that's from this year already? Yeah. Yeah. Um, normally I feel like I don't see too much of it this time of year. Um, I don't know if it's because we had some, some cool weather roll through, uh, that, that brought, you know, nice 40 degrees, you know, 50 degree weather at night, um, that they've actually started, you know, doing some scrapes, um, and actually some, some good rubs where, you know, normally it's, you know, if you do see a rub, it's like, oh, they're just trying to clean off the velvet. Um, so it's, you know, I'm pretty confident with, with seeing some of that stuff now. So that's, uh, that's going to be something I'm, I'm looking more towards. Uh, and then, 
obviously getting into the next couple of weeks, they're really going to start tearing it up. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Delaware? I think it's really going to have to do with the weather. I know we're going to get into some a little bit warmer temps coming up here in the next week or so. So it might not, you know, fire as soon as it, it was uh, appearing it would. But uh, I don't know, man. It's still, I'm going to have to say probably seven because I've already been seeing some good fine and stuff early. All right, Dean. Well, I hope your luck changes in Delaware. Good luck and thanks for joining me. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, and joining us on the line next is Travis Thiel from Buckstorm in South Dakota. Now, Travis, in South Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say it's probably been about a 4. Like right now, it's been, the last couple of weeks, been really warm. Um, most of the state, it's been dry also. Seems like there's been more evening activity than morning activity, which is pretty typical this time of year out here. Um, but I would, I would think that... Uh, it should be picking up here soon for sure. I've definitely seen more deer on their feet in the evenings though than the mornings. Seems like they're bedding up pretty early right now. So, hunting whitetails in the Black Hills, you don't really have those traditional food sources. So, what are the food sources that you're looking for this time of year, and how does that change later in fall as you get into October and November? Yeah, this time of year, it seems like the majority of the deer, and kind of all year uh, in the hills. There's a lot of forage right now just because um, they're they're kind of mainly on like a grass diet. They're not there's not really corn. There's not anything like that, you know. But they are hitting like some of the like private land hay bottoms. Uh, a lot of that, even as the summer transitions further into fall, I've noticed like some of these cattle pastures, the regrowth that'll come up because there's grazing permits throughout the Black Hills those deer will actually focus on the regrowth and those um, sometimes even heavily, more heavily grazed pastures they'll even feed in. But for the most part, I've noticed you'll kind of see them favoring meadows that have been hayed, kind of catching them to and from those meadows uh, in between their bedding area, kind of in that transitional zone. Where are you running your trail cameras at this time of year? This time of year, uh, most of them, are kind of in that transition zone. So in between where we think they're bedding and where they're feeding, um, also in just areas that have like traditionally been good for deer movement, pinch points, uh, where like four draws come together that kind of lead down towards the food source. But you'll see a lot of those deer kind of feeding just on natural grasses too. So it's a little bit tougher to target a food source unless you're hunting like an area in the hills that, borders that like a private meadow that has been hayed but i'd say for the most part all of our cameras are kind of in a transitional zone not in their bedroom we don't hunt a lot of mornings this time of year mostly evenings uh just try to kind of leave them alone and let them do their thing with the elk rut happening right now and elk seasons happening right now in the black hills does that change anything for a whitetail hunter does it push those deer out of certain areas or move them off of certain food sources Yes, um, it's really hard to predict, but it definitely has an impact on them. You'll notice as like you start getting some elk hunters walking through, like you might even get trail cam pictures of them. Some of the deer that were regular previously kind of vanish. Um, I don't think it completely takes them, sends them out of the area or anything because they seem to show back up. It definitely has an impact. And then as soon as that's gone, then rifle elk starts and that may even have more of an impact 
throughout October just because there's even more hunters out there. But it really depends because there's some areas there just really is an elk in the Black Hills, so the elk hunters don't have an impact on those areas. Do you focus on water at all this time of year? Uh, yeah, this year especially because it's been a really dry really dry summer it's been a really dry fall so far early fall water's been key this year i do have quite a few cameras that are kind of on like a food source that has water near it like a meadow with a water hole for example or a spring bottom in one of those transitional zones but i think water is probably more important this year than some years because some years there's water everywhere so it's really hard to pinpoint them and pick a water spot when they could drink anywhere you know there might be 15 water sources in one one square mile so i'd say this year especially targeting water would be huge even sitting on water when possible is a really good option are you seeing any sign making yet uh yeah i've actually come across a few scrapes um i actually have a camera on a scrape that i need to get out and check here this week but uh, normally the second half of september already i have bucks starting to kind of play around and hit that scrape rubs naturally obviously no sign of the rut yet or anything like that but they're definitely starting to cruise i think uh underlooked way to hunt them is kind of find some fresh rubs maybe even make a couple early rubs or scrapes excuse me in the this time of year and a lot of those like timber bucks will hit those scrapes to and from food sources it's just kind of a way to redirect them in front of your tree stand or however you may be hunting Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in South Dakota? I think it's probably going to be a 5 or 6. Uh, we got a cold front coming in, I believe, uh, this this weekend into next week. It's supposed to drop. It's almost 90 today, and it's supposed to be, I think, in the 60s early next week. In the hills, that means 30s. So I really expect it to pick up. Um, maybe even that morning movement will get a little better, but I'd say, yeah, five or six it should should be pretty decent for this time of year. All right, Travis, well, good luck to you and the guys from Buckstorm. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next yep. is Josh Genthy from Cut 4 Outdoors in North Carolina. Now, Josh, in North Carolina, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, if you would have asked me about five days ago, I would have told you about an eight, but right now it's probably down to about a six, maybe a five, five and a half, simply because that cold front came in for us this past week. So the bucks were really on their feet, it seemed like. And then now that that cold front's starting to move out, it kind of seems like, you know, they're kind of taking their time. And basically daylight movement's been at a minimum right now. Do your so, strategies change at all as far as how aggressive you are when you get a cold front in late September? Um, I try not to be too aggressive just because there is a lot of season left. Um, there is one, there's been one buck that I have been hunting. Like he's been my number one hit list buck I've been going after. And the wind just hadn't been right for me that whole cold front. So I just, I didn't even bother to even try to go too aggressive on him because um, I still keep the wind as my number one thing to consider anytime I go anywhere. Even with a cold front, it don't matter. We both know that. So I've just been kind of, you know, trying to go where the wind works for me, and I've been seeing a lot of deer activity. Just haven't been where I think I can kill the big one yet. So that's just been my biggest deal. What food sources in North Carolina should hunters be focused on right now? Right now, I would probably go back. I would probably go back and kind of like your normal summer pattern activities, I will probably go back to the beans now 
about a couple of weeks ago, they were really hitting like grapes and persimmons, apples, that kind of thing. But I think after that cold front, they've kind of started to steer clear of it and they've kind of headed back towards the beans. Almost like that fall pattern for them is starting to kick in a little early. But, you know, only time can tell really. So right now I would probably focus more on the beans and what's. Are you seeing any bachelor groups that are still together or have they all broken up? I wouldn't call it a huge bachelor group. I mean, we see it every year where there's always that one big bug that seems to have that one little bug that tags along with it. So, you know, every time you see it, that big one's got to be around somewhere. So I wouldn't necessarily call it a bachelor group, but there is still a few groups here and there, about two or three bucks total. But I would definitely say they're done with their bachelor groups. As the deer start to focus more on acorns, do you expect to see a shift Mm -hmm. in bedding as well? I would say yes, because I still think, especially in North Carolina, we're supposed to get this big warm front going in. And so as it gets warmer, they do tend to bed closer to food sources like they do in the summertime. So I would definitely look for those those acorns that are dropping, that are closer to bedding, or somewhere where you think deer might be bedded up in, just because typically they're not going to want to move as much whenever it gets warm this upcoming week. So I would definitely hug in tight somewhere in between the acorns and wherever there's bedding close by. Are you seeing any sign making yet? I haven't seen anything serious. You know, you see, I see a couple of random rubs on trees just because from where they shed their velvet, but I haven't seen anything too consistent yet. I have heard some people tell me more on the, towards the coast of North Carolina, they're seeing a lot more sign making, I guess, because their rut starts a little bit earlier than ours does. So I've heard some scrapes on that side, but I would imagine it's going to be the complete opposite on the western side of the state, where in the mountains and the colder temperatures, there's probably, I wouldn't say there's going to be a whole lot of sign making in the west, but right here we're kind of in the middle. So I would just say we just got a few rubs here and there, but nothing too serious to focus a whole lot on. Where do you like to have your trail cameras focused in late September? In late September, I would, what I normally do is most people put their trail cameras and they set up, whether it's over a corn pile or where they usually see deer come out. I like to get my trail cameras up as high as I can. So kind of like if you have a time-lapse feature, I really utilize those. So that way I can kind of figure out what part of the field or what area deer are mainly coming from. And then I kind of start to focus in on that. And so work my way back until where I think they're bedded at, and I try to get somewhere in between. I kind of use my trail cameras as everything. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in North Carolina? I'm going to have to give it a solid 4, simply because we're supposed to get warmer temperatures this week. We're supposed to get back up into the 80s. So that being said, I really think they're going to be, they're not going to move until late at night just because of the cooler temperatures at night. All right, Josh, that's great intel. Good luck with your hunts, and thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Michael Hunsucker from Heartland Bowhunter in Missouri. Now, Mike, in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say an 8, um, if not a 9. I mean, it's been really, really good so far. Um, you know, usually early season we're, we're dealing with, you know, warmer temperatures and we're looking for those cold fronts to hit, but it has been pretty pretty cool overall and we've had cool evenings too which helps with with everything so we've been seeing really good buck activity what food sources have you been focused on lately in missouri this is kind of interesting um for us we've been focused on uh, brassica plots and turnip uh turnip and radish plots basically um the deer on this particular farm that i've been hunting um you know i've just wiped out the beans the beans got in a little bit late uh, and didn't get rain there for a while. We just had a, they, they got in late and had a drought. So the beans are just completely wiped out. So 
um, brassicas is typically, you know, something that they don't usually eat until, you know, after that first hard frost when they start really keying on them, especially on the bulbs. But um, they're eating the tops like crazy, and they're not spending a ton of time in these plots, but they're coming early. They're moving early. They're hitting them first before they head out to the, the destination bean fields. I noticed on a lot of your haunts lately, you've been hunting from ground blinds. Is there some high-level thinking behind that, or is it what's just been most convenient for those locations? Man, I, I'm hunting with my wife and uh, sometimes with my kids, and so uh, the ground blind is a, is a great option for that. Uh, beyond that, though, just the the scent containment, um, the movement, you know, concealability, uh, and and the, and the noise concealability. I mean, just those those factors uh, make hunting out of a ground blind super super beneficial. Um, another thing too that we do a lot of times is hunting with uh, hunting over food plots or hunting with mowed corn in, in certain areas. You know, we can move those blinds easily to hunt different areas of different uh, of the food plot um, so we can have the deer, you know, most likely to be in bow range. On recent haunts, have you seen bucks that are still traveling together or is that pretty much over with? Yeah, no, they're still still pretty bastard up. The mature bucks seem to be kind of branched off, um, you know, kind of on their own. But the, the twos and ones and twos and even some of the three-year-olds are still kind of hanging hanging together, sparring, messing around, playing in the, playing in the food plot stuff. But, uh, yeah, it, the maturity that we have seen have been kind of on their own. Where are you running trail cameras at this time of year? Oh, man, mainly, you know, food plot edges. Um, catching them coming, you know, to them from the food plots. Got them on time-lapse mode covering covering the food plots. Um, you know, I really love tr- running trail cameras on natural corridors, like, like fence gaps, fence crossings major trails that type of stuff like leading towards food plots in between you know food and bed areas and um you know especially in missouri the when our, our main farm's in cwd county so we can't put out any sort of attractant even in the summertime so getting pictures can be can be difficult but um we're making mainly focusing close to the food sources and and you know approaching trails at this moment um won't be long before we switch over to to you know scrape trees and uh, we already are seeing deer, you know, rub, you know, tar- rub their their glands on, on trees and, and not necessarily, you know, pawing at the ground a ton, but they're definitely starting to hit some of those licking branches and, and, and those types of things. So that's an exciting time of year coming up. For most of the country, there's going to be a cold front moving through early to mid next week. Is there anything with your haunting strategy that changes in late September when that happens, or are you still pretty conservative at this point? Yeah, I mean, we're still pretty conservative, but I mean, those cold, those first cold fronts um, have been magical for us. I mean, um, as far as getting the big mature deer on their feet early moving um, in daylight hours, I mean, those first cold fronts of the season have been awesome. So we will definitely be out there and, and we'll be waiting. And most likely, I, I would guess we'll be hunting over clover. Um, that seems to be the um, you know, or, 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 you know, any sort of green plot, the clover, or if they're, like I said, if they're key on these, these radishes and turnips plots that we've got going, like we'll be on green plots for sure. Are you seeing any sign making yet in Missouri? Um, yeah, I mean, the, there's definitely obviously rubs from when they're stripping velvet and stuff, but they are starting to scrape a little bit. Like I said, it hits the, hit the scrape branches, the scrape trees. We put out some scrape trees and food plots and, um, you know, on, on field edges and, and stuff. And there's definitely, uh, definitely seen a little bit of, little bit of activity so um, as soon as they strip that velvet they start kind of rubbing those glands all over the trees and it's kind of a social thing so it won't be long before they start uh, ripping up the ground. Going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Missouri? 
I think it's going to get even better um, in next week with that cold front. It's going to be a nine. I mean, it's going to be as good as it gets uh, for, for a few days there. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a lull here. looks like Friday, Saturday, this weekend, it's going to heat back up a little bit. Um, so that'll slow things down. So that big swing when it warms back up and then boom, temp drops, uh, it's going to trigger the deer to be, be moving it on their feet. All right, Mike, well, I like your optimism. Good luck with your hunts and thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks. Hopefully you have some results to speak for. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Dean, Josh, Travis, and Mike for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you head over to TheMediator.com and check out the recent whitetail content from folks like me, Mark Kenyon, Tony Peterson, Pat Durkin, and more. Also, if you head over to TheMediator.com backslash giveaway, you can enter for a chance to win our biggest prize package ever. You only have a couple more days, so head over to TheMediator.com backslash giveaway and enter for a chance to win $4,000 in prizes. In that prize package, we have a full kit from First Light, a Mediator, Weatherby Rifle, Lacrosse Boots, Onyx Gift Card, Stone Glacier Backpack, and more. Good luck with the giveaway, good luck with your hunts, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about ice age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.